Welcome to the Fatherhood Podcast. I'm your host, Jamar Hudson, and you're in the fatherhood. As a new member of the hood, my goal is to use this podcast as a platform to talk about my journey as a new father. Part therapeutic, part informative, part educational. My goal is to talk about everything, from adjusting to getting no sleep, to changing diapers, to just hoping I get everything right. This podcast will be a space to share with you the joys, challenges, and fears of being a first-time father. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Episode 8 of the Fatherhood Podcast. I'm your host, Jamar Hudson. We are rolling right along over here, and I hope my fellow fathers out there and everyone else who checks out this podcast is finding this content uh, beneficial to them. You know, I was talking to a friend of mine last week, and I casually brought up the podcast. And she said, well, I'm not a parent, especially not a father, so I don't really have an incentive to listen. And she was right. I definitely cater this podcast to a specific audience while telling my story. No, but I will say that there are some lessons when talking to my guests that, that transcend fatherhood and hopefully can help anyone in any stage of their lives. But again, if the topics don't directly relate to where you are in life, which is understandable, hopefully you know some fathers in your family or in your circle of friends. So tell them about the show, spread the word. Uh, for my new and returning listeners, as always, be sure you subscribe to the podcast, rate the show, and, and write a review. Uh, on social media, you can find me on IG and Twitter at Jamar Hudson and on Facebook at at the Fatherhood Podcast. This episode comes um, just a few days removed from Martin Luther King Jr. Day, a day set aside for honoring one of the the greatest Americans who ever lived, you know, someone who fought for the rights um, so Black folk could just have a chance to be treated equally. And while we have come a long way, you know, since the civil rights era, there are definitely many issues that MLK and others fought for that are still lingering uh, in today's age. And as a father of a black son, I have to raise him in a society where, you know, police brutality still exists, where racial profiling still exists, where stereotypes about young black men who dress a certain way still exist. And it's a reality that, you know, I still have to deal with as, as a 36 year old man. And it's a reality that, um, fortunately my white friends will never have to understand experience, uh, nor even have to deal with as parents. You know, but but Sharice and I will. At this age, you know, coming up on three months, which is crazy to put that into words, but Emory is safe. You know, we can protect him because all he does is eat and sleep and poop. But there will come a day where as a father, I'll have to introduce him to the realities of this world. I'll have to sit him down and talk to him about what it means to be what he is, young, black, and living in America. And to be clear, we don't use that as an excuse or a crunch, but it's it's a reality of of how he will be perceived by others once he steps out of the door. And that's scary, man. That that's you know, Sharice and I can do the best job of teaching him right from wrong, how to love everyone, how to watch the crowd you keep, how to stay away from the bad things in, in life. But all of that won't matter, um, you know, when he's when he's out of our out of our sights. And that's why we fight. That's why we must continue to bring awareness to the injustices that still exist in our society. You know, that's why we rally against police brutality. You know, that's why we say Black Lives Matter. You know, I get it now when I hear, you know, I used to hear people after a shooting or, or a devastating incident, you know, someone would say, well, that could be my son. You know, I understand that now having a son who will grow up in this world, you know, we fight for 
for our kids and their kids and for generations to come just to be treated equally and to not, you know, be judged simply um, by the color of their skin, as Martin Luther King said, but hopefully by the by the content of their character. And it's an ongoing fight. And my next guest has dedicated his career to fighting that fight. Um, after the break, you know, I'll talk to Sean Walton, an attorney based in Columbus, Ohio, about his advocacy work and how he balances that with with me and a father. I'm Jamar Hudson, and this is The Fatherhood. You know, I say this about every guest I've had on the show so far, and, and I'll say it again now. I'm really excited to have today's guest on with me. I've known him uh, through the internet space for years, going back to the days of the, of the Fresh Express. And I'll just say, uh, if you know, you know. Um, but I've watched him over the years as he's devoted his career um, to advocating for victims. He is one of the founding partners of the Walton and Brown Law Firm in Columbus, Ohio, and he has become a fixture in that community, serving on many official boards. Um, his awards are too numerous to name, but I'll, I'll point out a few notable achievements, uh, including being named to the top 40 under 40 among national trial lawyers, the top 40 under 40 national black lawyers, and the who's who in black Columbus. In addition to his practice, he's a certified contract advisor with NFL, representing athletes as a co-founder of the Elite Sports Entertainment Agency. But but most importantly, he's an outstanding husband and father. And with that all said, it's my pleasure to welcome Sean Walton to the fatherhood. My man, welcome. I appreciate it, man. It's an honor and a privilege. You know, I've admired you from afar, uh, you know, for a while as well. So, you know, when you, when you asked me, it was a, a definite yes. I appreciate that, man. Before we get into today's topic uh, today, Sean, as I have all my fathers on, just just tell me a little bit about your family. Yeah, man. So uh, I have a wonderful wife, Jennifer, and we have been married now for five years, uh, five years of some change. We celebrated five years on September 1st. And, uh, you know, we now have two daughters. My oldest is Sabella Niall Walton, and uh, we actually share a birthday. So she just turned three on Monday as I turn 33. And I have a uh, younger daughter now, uh, Skyla Niece Walton, and she will turn one on February 27th. So got a very young family, very active and a very hectic life right now. But, you know, it's a wonderful feeling, man. Nothing makes me happier than my family. So let's stay there, Sean. What what does being a father mean to you? You know, man, uh, it's crazy because nobody can really tell you what being a father means. You have to just experience it. You know, it's one thing to say I'm responsible for another life or, or multiple lives. But, you know, your life truly revolves around your children. I mean, your, your travel changes, you know, you have to make accommodations for your family, you have to consider your family and and just, you know, the time away, um, everything that you do when you're on a daily basis. You know, you can't. You cannot make plans without considering your family. So uh, really, you know, being a father, man, it means sacrifice. It means sacrifice for a greater good, you know, and it's really a dedication to uh, putting your your all, you know, putting yourself into your children in order to give them the best of you, uh, teach them everything that, you know, you wish you knew coming up and just enabling them to uh, live, live their best life, you know. So that's my role as a father is to, give my daughters my all, you know, think about them and everything that I do and to make sure that um, I, I just do the best for them because I brought them into this world. They didn't ask to come. And it's only to make sure that, you know, they get everything that they're, uh, you know, right. uh, deserving of. 
And as a father who is now three years in the game with, with two daughters, how do you feel fatherhood has changed you, one, and in your approach to life? <laughs> it was funny because somebody I knew from undergrad, uh, my first daughter was born. She posted on a picture. She was like, you know, look at you all soft now. <laughs> and, you know, I, I just I felt, you know, it was a compliment, but it was also I didn't know how to take it. I'm like, you know, hold on, what do you mean soft? But that, that's essentially what it is. You know, like it's just, uh, you know, when I do something goofy to make my daughters laugh, that's just what you do, you know. And I think before when you're trying to figure out maybe who you are, you're still maturing, you know, you're, you you think more about how you're perceived by the outside world and, and just, uh, you know, just how cool you are. But, you know, once you have uh, children and for a father, especially having daughters, man, you just, it all becomes about making them happy, you know, considering how things affect them. You know, I listen to the radio in the car and I change the radio station like nonstop because I'm like, man, these lyrics are just, you know, not what I want my daughters to take in as we're, as we're riding. So, you know, I think it, it has made me softer to uh, quote the, individual that <laughs> commented on my, my post, you know, but it's softer in a good way, man. You just, it makes you more mindful of, of how the world's interactions impact your family. Right. And before, before we came on, on live, you know, you and I were talking about your recent trip with you and your daughter and your family. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I watch you guys as IG stories. I've kept, kept up with what you have going on through social media and you guys have a lot of fun. It seems like to me. So what do you love most about being a dad? Man, it's just what you said, man. It's uh, it's fun. It is uh, it's my stress relief, you know. And you mentioned a little bit about you know what I do as as an attorney and fighting for victims. But you know, no matter how hard my day was, when I go to pick up my daughters from school or when I get home and, and see them, I can't be stressed anymore. I can't be you know mad at whatever I was mad at. I can't be upset. I mean, it is just. It's just a, a wonderful feeling, man. And, you know, you have fun. Um, you know, you're just happy. You know, seeing my daughter smile or seeing them happy, it's, it's just wonderful. You know, even even tonight, you know, I'll, I'll go home and, you know, my oldest daughter can really appreciate it. So we'll have a movie night. We'll pop popcorn, you know, watch a kid's movie. It's, it's the little things that really, you know, remind you of, of what's important. And that's what I love about being a dad, man. It's just the constant innocence they have and the the natural love that they have um you know for me awesome uh listening to sean walton today on the fatherhood columbus-based attorney um sean you touched on on your advocacy work and i want to shift gears today's topic talking about advocacy and fatherhood you founded your law firm um, with your childhood friend in ohio um tell us tell our listeners about your practice and its mission yeah so uh you know you kind of mentioned part of our tagline earlier fighting for victims and my tagline is fighting for victims, fighting for justice. And it's really centered around people who've been wronged in some way and using the legal system to advocate for them. So, you know, we take civil rights cases. So that includes uh, police brutality cases, uh, you know, school sexual abuse cases where children weren't protected, uh, you know, by the, the school system in a way that they should have been. Uh, we take on personal injury cases. So everything from a car accident to a wrongful death case, a nursing home abuse case, a medical malpractice case. So it's all about people who are victims who don't have the ability to, um, you know, go out and have the resources to fight for their rights. That's that's our role. So I appreciate it. You know, it's a chance to 
essentially be a civil rights activist in a way and use it to earn a living at the same time. And that living requires you to be heavily involved in the community, which you are, and it's, it's well noted. If people just look up look up your story and your your activism in, in Columbus and surrounding areas. So how do you balance that work in the community um, with being a dad? <laughs> it's tough, and I'm I'm still figuring out that balance. I mean, it's 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 a daily struggle because I want to have a heavy presence in the community. I want to you know be out. Uh, talking to folks and and just uh, you know hearing what the issues are and figuring out a way to use my expertise to address those issues. And at the same time, I want to be there for the little moments in my you know my daughter's lives and to be there for my wife. So it's a balance, and I appreciate the sacrifice that my family makes in allowing me to you know do as much as I I do. Um, but it's, it's just it's something you figure out. You know, both the community you know, needs uh, as many advocates as, as they can get. And my family needs me as a father and a husband. And so you just try to balance the time spent and, you know, you sacrifice sleep, you sacrifice personal time. I gave up uh, the the Madden League I was I was in on PlayStation, <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, it's tough. But if something has to go, you figure out how to make those sacrifices while still giving time to the people that deserve it. You know, your work in, in the civil rights and social justice, um, I'm sure you see a lot on a daily basis and a lot comes across your desk. So how does that affect your approach to fatherhood? And is it difficult to separate the two? It's not difficult because luckily, you know, the work I do is, is just who I am. So um, it's all one and the same. And, and the work I do is about being a good person, being a good listener, um, figuring out what a person's issues are or, you know, what the, what the given issues are in a situation and doing my best to help, help that person, um, you know, and impact their life in a way that makes their life easier. And it's the same approach with fatherhood. And, you know, maybe because I hear so much and, and so much comes across my plate, it makes it easier to, uh, you know, be a father in a sense that, I'm very patient with my daughters and my oldest daughter, Sabella, she talks a ton. Uh, and it's funny, you know, she, she talks like a little adult and, you know, she asks questions and she just uh, has, has, has great conversation. And so I'm able to communicate with her in a way where I, I try to answer her questions. You know, I'm patient with her. I try to explain things to her and help her understand how the world works. And so it all kind of works together. You know, I, I try to help my clients understand how the world works and how we can address issues and how we can, you know, get a positive resolution. And the same with my children. You know, if my daughter's frustrated about a situation and she's learning about the world, I try to explain to her, this is why this is the way it is. And, you know, try to empower her with critical thinking skills. So you know, they're kind of one and the same. It's, it's not that difficult, but overall, I want to make the world a better place for my clients and for my family and my daughters. The voice you hear today is that of Sean Walton, Columbus, Ohio-based attorney and community leader and civil rights activist. Speaking about your daughter, Sean, you're, you're, you're a father of two daughters, which I'm sure if we have this conversation in about 10, 15 more years, it may be a little different. You'll face some other challenges. Mm -hmm. But seeing what you what's going on in the world, an era of the Me Too, and we were just fresh off you know, the reaction to what we saw in the R. Kelly documentary, how does that affect you personally? 
in your approach to fathering, especially fathering two daughters? You know, um, I think like many fathers, there's outrage at some of, of what is put out there. And, um, you know, first and foremost, my reaction to somebody, you know, seeing the stuff with R. Kelly, for example, and just how he manipulated these young girls as a father, you know, I'm like, man, I, I wish, I, w- I wish, you know, somebody would, uh, you know, go there with my family because as a, as a provider and a protector, I'm going to do everything I can to uh, make sure that their lives are, again, as easy as they can be and as, as stress-free. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it just opens your eyes to what you have to educate your children about. And, you know, coming up, as we came up, you know, um, as young men in less of an Internet era, I think that, you know, it's easy to understand that toxic masculinity is real. It's a real thing. You know, it, I mean, when I'm in the barbershop still in 2019, I see and hear a lot of things where I'm like, man, you know, you guys really don't don't realize what you're saying yeah. and how you're saying it. And so being a father has made me more mindful of that and more empathetic to a lot of the stories that are out there, you know? And um, again, you and I both know that, uh, you know, a lot of the stories, they sound very realistic because it's how we came up in terms of hearing what, you know, our friends were doing or saying or different interactions. And again, I think my role as a father is really just to educate my daughters as much as possible about what's going on in the world and to empower them to make the best decisions possible because you're not going to know what they're doing on a daily basis, but they have to know, you know, and get that, that same game that you would give a, a son, you know, um, me as a father of girls, I'm like, you know, I'm going to talk yeah. to them the same way I would talk to my sons and empower them to make smart decisions. Yeah, as I was talking about in my opening segment, um, we celebrated Martin Luther King Jr. Day this week. And a lot of the issues that he fought for, in the civil rights era, they're still lingering. And for me, as a father of a son, it worries me that, you know, the Emory will have to deal with a lot of the issues such as racial profile and police brutality. Um, what are your thoughts on what fathers of black sons are facing in today's age? And you see this firsthand. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just it's crazy because again, you know, the way I came up, there was, you know, I was still educated about a lot of of what's going on and the do's and don'ts and how you should address people. I mean, my grandfather was always, you know, he was always on me. If I didn't say yes, sir, and no, sir. So, you know, those are just issues of, of respect and, you know, um, self-confidence and so on. But, you know, now there's an entirely different set of just concerns, you know, and I feel like, in, in the era of the internet and the viral video and the, the uh, sensational headline, you know, whether it's Fox News or whoever, I feel like a lot of uh, issues are amplified. You know, you look at Trayvon Martin and the hoodie situation. Now, when you wear a hoodie, whether it's, you know, the black community or the white community, they feel a certain way about a hoodie. And so, you know, fathers of sons yeah. and, and mothers of sons, but, you know, just parents of, of, of black boys in, in, in 2019 have to educate black boys in a totally different way. And I see it with my clients. I see it with people in the community. And 
you know, a lot of a lot of what people should be allowed to do, just being young boys, you know, uh, we're, we're, they're not allowed to do anymore. You know, um, I have to speak kind of vaguely about my cases, but I'll, I'll just say in general, a young teenage boy that is out enjoying himself in the evening, you know, that's done his homework, that's out, you know, riding bikes, doing whatever, he should be allowed to make mistakes, you know? Um, and we just, we just don't have that now because whether, you know, they're being shot by the police or somebody's calling the police on them or, you know, they're being judged in some way, you just can't, you can't naturally grow up and make mistakes. So I think black boys have to mature at a far younger age now. And it's, it's sad. Yeah, I mean, and staying on that point, I mean, you know, fortunately at this age, this is not something that, that Emory has to worry about. This is not something that your girls have to worry about. But it's going to come a time where they're going to be faced with that in some shape, form, or fashion. And you're going to have to have that talk with your girls. I'm going to have to t- have a talk with, with my son. So, you know, but and you can't stop living life. So how do you talk to your girls about discrimination, injustice, and all the other things that are going on and, you know, how what advice do you give as someone who who's on the on the has their feet on the ground what advice do you give parents and especially fathers about having those conversations man it's just it's honesty you know and the craziest scenario um because my daughter was learning about dr king at school um we were in the car riding and she was just talking and she said daddy why did dr king die <laughs> 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 I'm like, man, I mean, and at this point she was, you know, not even three yet. So I'm like, I was not prepared to answer this question. And so for me, again, it was just honesty and figuring out a way to communicate it in a way that didn't scare her, but that just gave her a general overview of what she has to face in the world. And my response was along the lines of, you know, he died because he wanted to make the world a better place. And people were not ready for that. And, you know, he's a historical figure. We celebrate Martin Luther King Day because now we understand how much he loved people and what that love meant to the world. So, you know, it's honesty. I mean, if I'm dishonest in that situation, then she has a, a totally different interpretation of Martin Luther King and, you know, why he died and, and so on. But if I communicate that in a way that allows her to process it, doesn't scare her, but allows her to grow with that thought and understand more as you dig deeper, you know, eventually she'll understand that he was assassinated, you know, that he was killed by someone else. Um, she'll understand, you know, a lot of the issues that he fought for and why people weren't ready for that. But the overall general view, you know, um, will, will hopefully prepare her to understand more going forward. So I think no matter what age, you know, whether it's 3, 13, 23, <laughs> whatever the case may be, you just have to tell your conversation to yeah. what your child understands. But I think we're doing our children a disservice if we're not honest with them because they're going to learn somewhere at some time from somebody. And I think, it, you know, it, it's best that it comes from us because we understand our children and how they uh, you know, take in things. So how do you avoid not getting discouraged? Because it seems like 
every week there's something. And this is just talking on on the macro level. On on a micro level locally, I'm sure there's something every day that you know doesn't make the national news. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do you avoid just me like, man, here we go again, another one? How do you not get discouraged and continue, you know, the fight that, that makes you wake up every day? Honestly, uh, because I because I work on the cases day to day and they're, they're draining. They take a lot out of you. You know, you're emotionally invested. You're invested just from a, you know, community and cultural standpoint. So a lot of the headlines, I just, I see headlines. I don't read the details. I read details mm-hmm. if they, uh, you know, if I need to brush up on the facts of a situation or see how it impacts my life or my work. But you have to detach somewhat. You know, you can't internalize every headline, every issue. Um, you should be mindful of it. You know, uh, you should be aware of what's going on. But like you said, I mean, so much happens that you have to be able to maintain your sanity and your, you know, just your your peace of mind. So um, I think it's a balance, you know, and I think for black people in 2019, it's a really tough balance. And I keep saying that I'm going to get a therapist and talk to a therapist and then I'm going to make <laughs> happen in 2019 because, I mean, it's just it's, it's self-care, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That, 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 yeah, we could stay there, but that's a topic for a whole nother day, a whole nother episode about therapy. But I do encourage mm-hmm. you to do that, man. It's, it's beneficial. And I encourage um, everyone who's listening to just seek out therapy and, and you know, consider that as an option. Um, Sean Walton is joining me today on The Fatherhood. Sean, last question for you. You've dedicated your, your career to the fight, but for some fathers who want to get involved and let the voices be heard. Maybe they're a new father like me and now see things from a, from a different perspective in terms of the injustices that, that are taking place. Where, where should they start? Where can they start? And what should they do to get their voices heard? Honestly, man, um, there's so many different opportunities out there. I truly believe that it's a matter of finding your passion and mm-hmm. figuring out what, what you care about. You know, I am somebody who... I have a lot of different passions and I wish I could do a number of different things. But what I'm finding is that I'm making less impact if I spread myself too thin. And, you know, if I'm in a situation where I'm doing something because I just I just said yes, I just wanted to do something. I'm not as into it. I'm not, you know, my ideas aren't as fresh or as on point. And I'm, I'm, I'm not doing anybody a service by just doing something just to do it. So, it's figuring out your passion, man, whether it's, uh, you know, being involved with civil rights issues on multiple levels. There are, are different civil rights issues out there, not just police cases, but, you know, um, gender discrimination, you know, um, race discrimination, employment, you know, um, kids need mentors, though. And I'm really big on that. And I, I don't think you can ever go wrong figuring out how to reach kids on a broader level. And as a father now, um, I think it allows me to relate to children on a different level and just to, you know, think about things from a kid's perspective. I'm really big on mentorship, man. So I think uh, as a first step is figuring out whether it's kids in your neighborhood, you know, the neighbor's kids, your younger cousins, nephews, nieces, you know, going to a, a rec center, 
coaching peewee football, you know, um, going reading the kids in schools, whatever the case may be, we really have to reach the next generation and show them, you know, what they can be and what's out there and, you know, just add value into their lives, man. So, you know, number one, follow your passion. But if you're still figuring out what your passion is, man, just start talking to kids because kids, I think, really appreciate that. And uh, you can really have an impact. If you change one life, that's that's enough, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Sean, man, I really appreciate you joining me on the Fatherhood Podcast today. Before I let you go, tell the people how they can get in touch with you, anything you have going on. Just just let the people know how they can get involved. Absolutely, man. Um, I guess uh, social media, you know, I'm on uh, Instagram at SWaltonESQ, uh, the same handle on Twitter. Um, my law firm is Walton and Brown. LLP. Our website is waltonbrownlaw.com. Uh, you know, while I'm based in Columbus, we take cases all over the country, just depending on uh, the situation and the circumstances. And, you know, I'm accessible, whether it's email, uh, you know, or, or whatever. If you have a question, you have some follow up or whatever, feel free to reach out. I'm really big on, uh, you know, us just connecting in ways and and just figuring out how to help each other out, you know, in this in this world that we're living in. So, you know, feel free to to drop me a line. Well, you definitely helped me out today, my man. I really appreciate you joining me. I appreciate it, man. And again, I appreciate what you do. I appreciate this fatherhood podcast because uh, fatherhood ain't easy. <laughs> <laughs> definitely not, my man. Thanks a lot. All right, man. I appreciate you. I want to thank Sean Walton for joining me on the fatherhood today. It's unfortunate that we still have to deal with these sorts of issues, but you know, that's the world in which we live. And Sean and many others do a great job of bringing awareness to the issues and fighting for victims' rights. As fathers, we have to be sure that we are preparing our kids for the challenges that they are most certain to face and pray that when they are out of our sights, people will see them as people and not label them based on their own insecurities and other stereotypes that are out there. We have most certainly come a long way, but there's definitely still work to be done. You know, but we continue to fight and we're in that fight together. As always, thank you all for listening. And once again, I'm Jamar Hudson, and this is The Fatherhood. <laughs>